Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Andy Campbell. It's in. <coughs> Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero. A superhero. Breakthrough. It's taken a while. But it's been worth the wait for Cardiff City. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is episode number 67. The show is available live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter and Periscope. Uh, Ace Podcast Nation, also your home to many other shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. So please give us a follow on social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's the most direct way to support the, the channel and the show. You can get the links to everything uh, in the description below as well as in the closing credits. And of course, you can find the audio versions to this show and every other show we do at your favourite radio and podcasting app. And uh, just while we wait for the, the chat to fill up, as it were, a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports and Martin Spate. Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars around the world. For more information, you can visit their social media page as well as their brand new, lovely looking website, which is beautiful. And uh, a big thank you to them for all the support surrounding the show. And uh, as well as that, a big thank you to Bespoke Financial for sponsoring today's show. And uh, here's a quick word from them. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told Mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if Mummy or Daddy got sick then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. 
Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Yeah, big thank you to Bespoke Financial. Bespoke Financial specialise in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, mortgages and, of course, sports cover. So, uh, as usual, we'll be talking a bit of football. We're going to start with some any other business and, uh, and then move through the gears and talk to our guest about his career and whatever, whatever else comes up in the, uh, the live chat. So, uh, with no further ado, first of all, I have uh, joining me, as usual, my co-host... The goal collector, David Jones' favourite son, the fox in the box, still the king of the Millennium Stadium, Mr Chinup himself, ex-Cardiff City and Middlesbrough striker, Mr Andy Campbell. Welcome, my friend. No, no, man, that was, a, uh, that was a, an extra long um, yeah, well. introduction like that. No, I love that. No, I do you know what, right, this is, um, and I'm probably going to embarrass our guest before he comes on, before we introduce him, but yeah, I, I, I know him as a... As a young lad, and he's now a he's now an adult, believe it or not. <laughs> Which is, I think, it just proves how old how old I am. And uh, and uh, yeah, really excited to uh, to talk and delve into uh, what we're going to talk talk about next. It's going to be super excited to have a current footballer on the show. Yeah, we've had a good, Joe joins a, a good list of uh, of current footballers that we've had on. Mate, we've had a couple of championship yeah. players now, and they've all yeah. been top class. But uh, yeah, I uh, was feeling a bit talkative, mate. So I thought I'd give you a, an extra in- introduction after my little. <laughs> Always appreciate little, it. It's probably my little my little chat on Talksport Two. Then <gasps> little plug, go check that out after the show. Uh, tonight's guest started his professional career at the mighty Cardiff City before playing at various clubs, including Bristol Rovers, Oldham Athletic, Shrewsbury, and currently he is the with newly promoted Championship side. The playoff hero himself, Mr. Joe Jacobson. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. Mm. I've heard Cam's your... uh, introduction. Yeah, well, yeah, well, to be, well, to be honest, though, it's, it's, it's more than... Andy, you've got no sound, love. Yeah. A lovely introduction, and, uh, and, and yeah, the Millennium Stadium is always a, always a winner, especially with uh, Welsh players and, and, uh, and ex-teammates, you know? That's it, mate. This is it. I was Look. there. I was there in the in the crowd that day. I have to say that. Good day, mate. Yeah. Good day. Good day. We're See, we got some. We got some. We got something in common, haven't we? Got something in common. Yeah, I was there as well. Something in common. I was there. Both's got, got a both got a winning goal in the playoff final. We can talk about that later. Look, we can yeah. reminisce. We can reminisce. <laughs> yes, I scored. A, I scored a winning. I missed a penalty in a playoff final. If that's in, in a penalty shootout for uh, uh, for, high, for Highbridge, I don't. It was like my first game I'd ever played for him, and. Uh, it was a penalty shootout to go through to the to the. I think it was won the playoff final. It was the like the semi final, and then um, they gave me the ball. I had to take the fifth penalty, and I missed it. Hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what. One 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 part of tonight I'm not looking forward to is obviously Joe's speciality is his set pieces and certainly his penalties. Obviously scoring a, a penalty in a, in a in a major game and my penalty history is uh, is is, is not great. Is not great. I think shocking's probably a. I'd take shocking to be honest. I take shocking's good. Shocking's good. <laughs> So there you go. You've 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 led me in nicely there. So before we go into the magnificent seven and on with the show, I want um, our guest to talk us through what, in my opinion, could be the greatest hat trick of all time. So uh, I'm going to play this clip, and then afterwards, Joe, you can give us you can talk us through uh, each goal. Unfortunately, because of the way I've set it up, you can't do it while it's playing. But uh, it's only a quick clip, so I'm going to put it on, and then you can talk us through it. 
had to turn that off quickly just because I don't want to get the stream pulled down either. So, um, yeah, <laughs> talk us through them, mate, because that was, uh, you know, you don't get many hat-tricks as spectacular as that. No. Uh, um, oh, the first one, free kick, just, you know, always nice to, to get an opportunity to kind of take them. Um, then the corners, you know, we work quite hard on them with um, with the assistant manager we got. It's, it's goes into a lot of detail with all the set pieces and stuff. And I remember that game, he just said, kind of put it on top of the keeper and, and see what happens, get bodies around it. There was a little nick on the line, but it's, for me, it's still going in and, and definitely right. claimed it. <laughs> and then right. the last got, and, and while that was happening, I, I'd never just scored a brace before. I was like, have I got it? Have I not got it? And um, the, when we got the last, the, the, the third goal, the corner, I remember all the fans screaming behind the goal to shoot and shoot and shoot. And uh, it just, again, I just put it on top of the keeper and, you know, you may have taken a couple of steps forward to cut the near postman out and it flew in and it was um, it's a nice moment. I, w- I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, you know, aiming in the corner or anything like that, but I was definitely trying to put it on top of the goalkeeper. And um, yeah, I'd scored, I scored a couple of corners the season before, so it's something that I've got a bit lucky with, really, over the years. The, the second one, well, the third one, the, the, the final goal, but the second corner was just absolutely exciting. just unbelievable. The way that, you know what I mean, the pace and the power and the whip you got on it, you know, that I think, especially after the first one, you know, uh, for me at half time, surely the, the keeper's got to make well, a change, I, haven't he? Probably, probably not the goalkeeper for me. I'm, 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 I'm starting to talk about putting people on post and things because to give your keeper a little bit of backing, you know, you had no support behind him when the ball went over his head so you know I'm not blaming the goalkeeper by the way because I think it's, a, it's an unbelievable uh, set piece and the way that he gets pace power and whip on it is just it's but phenomenal it's superb but, yeah. there's no doubt well, it's superb but as a, as a father of a goalkeeper mate if my <laughs> if my boy got done once I'd be like alright you know it happens if he got done twice in the same game I'd be like mate come on that's not that's, can't be having well, that I remember doing a, a podcast quite soon after it and they had Rob Green on and they were asking him, and he was like, "I've never been beaten by a from direct from a corner in my career." So, I don't think it's one. I think it's one of those things that goalkeepers are like, "That's never going to happen to me." They can't let that happen to me. And you know, no, he's, he's never been. He's never been beaten. He's never been beaten by a corner, but he let in a, a stinking goal in the World Cup. That's all. Right. I, know, I was going to say, <laughs> didn't he? Didn't he send England crashing out of the World Cup? So, sorry, sorry, Rob. Sorry, Rob. I didn't say that. I didn't. Sorry, Rob. I, that was, Joe, you set me up there. That was too easy. That was too easy. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, okay. So, Joe, what we like to do is um, before we kind of get into the football and uh, and your career in bits and pieces, take some questions. The Magnificent Seven, where we uh, we give you seven quick fire questions, and basically uh, you just got to answer the first thing which comes to mind. So uh, normally get a few grenades in there, but I found it a bit difficult to to find difficult questions for you compared to what some other people have got. So yeah. we'll have a look now. We tried, though. We tried. Joe Jacobson, Magnificent Seven. Nice and easy to start, as always. Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo for me. Cardiff or Swansea? Cardiff. <laughs> That's the easiest of a lot. <laughs> uh, favorite TV show? Ooh, um, I would say Suits. Oh, nice. Something different. Something different than we've always had. Every week. Every, every week. week yeah. Angriest teammate? Um, he left last year, but Adam Alad for me. Uh, best roommate? I room on my own. I had a bad roommate at the start of Wickham, so I for that after that I asked him to stay on my own, and I've done it ever since. 
So, he knows who he is as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bellamy or Ramsey? Ramsey. And uh, to finish, the greatest Welshman who ever lived. It's a great question. It's a great question. Yeah, I was, I was trying to. Um, it doesn't have to be football related. It can just be. I'm going John Charles. Good shout. Good nice. shout. Nice. There you go. My Bibson Seven. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about that roommate, but uh, I don't want to put him on the spot. <laughs> just in case just in case he's still uh, still at Wickham. So uh no, he's gone yeah. now, it's alright. Or he's or he's watching right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll st- he still knows I told him plenty of times. <laughs> Straight away and early request. So uh this these normally come at the end of the show, so you can get that in. Don't <laughs> right. mind. There you go, Ryan. There you go. Um, okay, so uh, what we like to do as well then is before we go into you, Joe, we uh, we talk some uh, some stories from the football world, and oh boy, is there some stories going around. Where do you want to start, Andy? Um, I'd like to start with the charity shield. Cause, uh, I don't I don't obviously spend too much time on it. Obviously, I know it's we only can spend a, uh, as long as you want, mate. Do you want to talk <laughs> about the predictions? Oh, we talk about predictions, yeah. And we can also talk about Liverpool getting beat, which is obviously another bonus for you. The biggest issue I've got with the game um, is what happened in the penalties. And I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd love to uh, hear uh, Joe's take on it. But, you know what I mean? Obviously, I don't know if you've seen the game, Joe, that um, obviously uh, it was a tight game. There was nothing nothing in it. And then um, and then Jurgen Klopp, which I'm not slagging off, by the way, he's an excellent manager, excellent coach, and, and obviously wanted to do this for a reason. But to bring on a player just to take a penalty, I think is a is a little bit too much pressure to put on any kind of player, uh, and especially a young player in that kind of situation. And I know there was no, there was no fans at Wembley, um, and obviously you've took a penalty there in the same circumstance in a much higher pressure situation. But um, do you think it was right? And what will he be feeling? Obviously, I know you didn't, you didn't miss, but or what will he have felt before he was stepping up to take that penalty? Uh, first of all, I don't mind players getting bought on like that. I think the manager sometimes will turn around and say, does anyone really want one? Um, it's happy. Who did it before? Was it the Dutch one with Tim Krul when they brought him on as a goalie? For the, yeah, yeah, for the, for the Euros, yeah. So it happened, happened in goalkeepers. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, I think it's right one to their own, isn't it? You know, for that. But, uh, I, I, with I players, I, I think... It's a difficult one for me because obviously he's had a very good season on loan at Swansea. I thought he's had a really good season. To be fair to him, he's uh, you know what I mean. He's, he's scored probably their best player. Mate. Kicks. Yeah, he's, he's done really well. And yeah. you know what I mean. I'm not. I don't want this to be a, a tarnish on his start of the season or you know what I mean. Put him down before the season starts because he's a very good player with loads of potential. But I, I felt a bit sorry for him really. Yeah, you know, as well. I think they could have easily maybe given him the first penalty just to kind of get that away because you know if you're taking the fifth one there's there's whatever happens there's pressure on that penalty he must be a confident lad to to want to take the fifth penalty as well if you know what I mean and also the way he took it was kind of like a confident way of, of taking a penalty for me so it's I think it's just one of those things that unfortunately it didn't work out and because of the situation of, of how young he is and, and coming in for the first thing for the first time and things like that that there's more kind of scope on it and Look, there, there is pressure in football and, and, you know, from now on in his career, there's going to be crowds, there's going to be big occasions for him. He seems like a very good player. So um, these things might come around again, but it's one of those things he's going to have to learn from it and kind of, you know, get it behind him as soon as possible. Do you think, Joe, he would have took the penalty if there was a crowd there? Do you think it would have been any different? Do you think Jurgen Klopp would have acted differently? I don't know. Um Possibly not, just because of um, would Klopp want to give him that pressure to kind of know that if he missed, then 
there is going to be a um, a little bit of a fall from grace for it. But you know, for me, if he didn't want to take that penalty, he wouldn't have taken it. He wouldn't have put his hand up. Um, so I think he's confident enough to kind of put his hand up and put himself in that situation. You've got to kind of take what comes with it. Yeah, I, 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 I do. I hope I hope it happens against us. Sorry to cut you out there. I yeah, hope right, I hope he gets an opportunity to take a penalty uh, with with the crowd there, and I hope he puts it to bed very quickly because sometimes these moments, especially for younger players, they can they can tarnish. You know what I mean? Confidence wise, and uh, I don't know what Liverpool's plans are with him. Are they going to play him this season? Because put him in the charity shield. Is he going to be in the squad? Is he going to go back out on loan? You know what I mean? For me, Joe's just said there's a confident young lad. You know what I mean? He, he, he went up confident. Um, and for me, I, I just hope it works out for him because, you know what I mean? He's a very good footballer and, and I want to see the best young footballers progressing as far as I can and he's, he's in that mould, really. But then I think yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of aspects to it as well. Like, um, Firstly, does the charity shield really matter? Probably not. It's a glorified friendly, really. Um, I know, anyway, so Wembley, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> But um, but equally, it could have been twofold, couldn't it? It could be that Rian Brewster is extremely good at penalties, and it was a tactical decision. It could have been that I think Gaz just said in the in the chat was it a test? Did he want to see how he reacted under pressure? Could have been that. But then equally, the other side of it is, I don't know. Like, it, yes, he's young, but. Does it matter that he's missed it in a massive, um, you know, it's not a massive thing. I do think if there's crowd there, there's more pressure, obviously. But mm. I don't know. Charity Shield, to me, when I was younger, and this kind of harps back to the FA Cup and as well, which we've talked about you know, a lot recently and how this fallen from grace. Like, to me, when I was younger, like a kid, I felt like the Charity Shield was like something which clubs wanted to win. Because it was the start of the season. They wanted to get off to a good start. They wanted to win something. Whereas now, I do feel like it is just a glorified friendly. It's, it's no different to winning like the Emirates Cup and all these different friend, you know, pre-season trophies. Um, and I'd be interested to see, what, you know, to hear what Joe thinks as a, you know, as a current footballer. Like, is it, you know, is it the same as those other pre-season tournaments or is there something different about the Charity Shield, Draken? I think, do you know what, looking at the team lineups this season for it, I think they put out their pretty much the strongest teams, both of them, which mm. shows that they did they did care about it. But over the years, I do think it's been used as to bed players in. Sometimes players aren't back from internationals and things like that, and it, it dampens it a little bit. Um, it'd be interesting if that was the Champions League final and they wanted to bring a player on, would he have put himself forward with Klopp and put yeah. the trust in him to do it that way? Yeah. So, you know, for me... For me, you know, subconsciously, I don't think the players and the manager probably take it as seriously as everything else. But then again, it's silverware. It's something that you want to get that winning mentality in, as early as possible into the season. And it's an opportunity to kind of, you know, get back into into that mentality. And, and for Liverpool, they kind of missed that opportunity. I think if you speak to certain players, si, if you speak to Roy Keane, Roy Keane, Says it as it says it as it is, and says it's, it's a huge game. That's his first game of the season, regardless of it being a, a friendly game. I think Joe's just mentioned it there that teams have used it as a stepping stone towards the season. If that's fitness exercise and bringing people off and too many substitutions, it's not classed as normal game. As in, as in, you can make more substitutions and it's a little bit more laid back. But um, I, I think this year, with obviously no crowd, it's obviously going to be very different. But I'm going back years years ago when Man United used to be in it every single season. They put their stronger side out. That was their first bit of silverware. And every time 
you see um, silverware, as in Ryan Giggs has won a trophy. It's on his list of silverware, so he's won the charity seal something like five, six, seven times or whatever it is. And You know what I mean? It, it becomes a big thing for players who've won that many, uh, that many titles. And for, for me, it, it could be a big thing. Um, but the FA Cup, it, the, the FA has got to get got to get things right. You know what I mean? And, and that's get everything right. It's not just the Premier League winners um, take everything and, and everything else is filtered down. You know what I mean? That becomes an important trophy for the FA Cup winners and um, yeah and the Premier League winners because it, it, it shouldn't it, it shouldn't deflect uh, from everything. It shouldn't and it shouldn't you shouldn't be classed as a friendly game. But it, it, unfortunately, this year it was because of the gap between now and the season starting. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what they could do to make people? Uh, make the charity shield more important is that if the winners, the winners of the charity shield get, I don't know, um, a buy from the FA Cup third round or something, just something, just, just some sort of. Uh, you obviously you can't give a European place because everything's already you know drawn and ready to go. But I just feel like it's just a nothing game. But then that's coming from you know from Simon from Cardiff. Jose Mourinho counts it as. Is he won three trophies in that season, didn't he? So, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the FA there and and um, the kind of the top teams, uh, which kind of takes me into something which I wanted to sort of briefly touch on. Um, so we've seen the top four or so clubs in the Premier League spending a bit of cash and looks like they're going to be spending a bit more. Um, but outside of PSG... Nobody else is in a position to spend anywhere near that. Even the the Real Madrids of the world, obviously Barcelona will be able to if uh, and loads of people have put that Messi's buyout clause is like six hundred and fifty million mm. or something. Um, but like you know, you've got uh, I think Man City spent forty pound uh, 40, 40, 40 million on the bargain bargain uh, <laughs> Ake wasn't it forty forty quid for Ake. You know. He played, he, played, he, he played like he was worth 40 quid some weeks. Yeah. Last season. <laughs> I thought 40 million pound made for that. Okay, yeah, I don't know. You buy, sure you, buy an, you buy an English talent, and unfortunately, England, English talents cost well, money, why, doesn't it? You know? That's and why I think they that, look elsewhere, isn't it? You know what I mean? And I, and, I, and I can't fault English teams looking abroad and going, and going to buy players because I look at Chelsea. Chelsea have spent an absolute fortune, and part of me is excited by it. Um, yeah. Part of me is uh, really excited by the players they bought. You know what I mean? Werner, really excited to see him. Um, Thiago Silva didn't see Kai, that one coming whatsoever. Kai, uh, Kai ha- Havertz, yeah, or Havertz uh, from Bayer Leverkusen. Leverkusen. Mm. Uh, listen, they bought some really, really good players. But what comes with that is pressure. And yeah. Frank now, for the first season Ooh, in his managerial yes. career, is under absolute severe pressure to achieve something. He's got to got achieve a... something. I don't I know what that if is. He doesn't fit top. Finish top two, mate. I think he's failed because of the amount of money he spent and the players, unless, the standard of players. Unless he wins, him. unless he wins something, and that's the only thing yeah. that could save him. But. If they finish fourth or fifth and win the FA Cup, is that enough when you've spent that much money and you've got Thiago Silva in your side and uh, some yeah, of the best uh, talent in Europe? Is going it on, really going on his chairman, well, going on his owner, uh, Mr. Abramovich, um, on his past record, I don't think Probably he cares not. who he has managed. So, you know what I mean? If, yeah. Listen, he could win He could win two trophies, finish fourth and get the sack. He just can't work, can't work it out now with this. Sorry, mate. Um, going Sorry. back to Ake, mate. Um, I think the diff- the reason City have gone for an English defender specifically is because they've had their fingers burnt on the foreign young defenders. They've bought a couple of uh, young central defenders from around Europe, spent mm. big, and I think they've had their fingers burnt. So I think they've gone for an English defender, thinking that you know he knows the league. There's there's a good chance that he's going to settle well, etc. Yeah. 
And I do think that's the reason, because I don't think any of the other top six teams, say, would have paid that for him. Um, and that's not to say, you know, potentially he could be amazing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's terrible, but I'm saying I'm not sure I would have paid 40, 40 quid for him. Listen, he's got. He's, he's had an amazing. I don't know how much. I don't know how much you guys have seen him. You know, I, I watched him when he played when he came through uh, Chelsea's ranks, and he went on loan. He's had a couple of loan moves, and he, this is, he's done really well. Um, I just think it's a lot of money to spend on a player who's been relegated because in the in the in the grand scheme of things, um, does that make Jack Grealish worth one hundred and twenty million pound because he kept Villa in the champion in, in the Premier League? It just yeah, money's money's absolutely crazy, and if that's how people value people. You know what I mean? The biggest the, the biggest winners are, are Bournemouth because Bournemouth have, have have gained so much money, um, which I don't know if they're if they're going to be able to spend in the Championship. If if they are able to spend a higher percentage of that money they brought in, they're going to be a force this season in the Championship because they they've recouped. Um, I think it was twenty eight million pound for the goalkeeper, uh, mm. Ake for forty million quid. They're obviously going to sell other players. Um, they're going to need to if they're going to sign Messi, mate. Uh, well, exactly. So you know, I think uh, it's a big one. It's a big one. You know. So uh, let's see. Let's see. And see what happens. My point was anyway was this was um, obviously you've got all these teams like United have signed or are on the brink of signing uh, Van de Beek for forty million. Now I think forty million for him is a bit of a bargain because he is uh, potentially got the potential to be one of the best young mid best midfielders in Europe. So um, their midfield looks insane. They'll probably sign a couple more players because I do believe they need a few um, if they want to challenge. Whereas because of kind of lockdown and everything which has happened and clubs losing money I think outside that top six in the Premier League not many clubs have got the funds to spend that much money does that make the Premier League a little bit of a farce in terms of a competition because if you've only got a handful of teams who can really go and strengthen to a you know to a different degree to everyone else it kind of like creates an even bigger gap do you think that's problematic, mate? And it's not just in the Premier League, by the way, because I don't think Madrid have got any money to spend at the moment because of the same reasons. But we've talked about integrity of competition and stuff. I'm not sure what you could do to even it out, but I think it does cause a, an issue, mate. Um, Joe, do you, do, you, do you see that, Joe, when you play against Premier League sides in, 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 in various cup competitions? Obviously, now you're going you're gonna to play this season against ex-Premier League side who've still got the Premier League side, Premier League money involved. Um, do you see the gulf when you play against these kind of players? In, in do you know what we've we've had, we've played against in the last say four or five years. We played Spurs and we played Villa. Um, Spurs probably changed eleven players, and do you know what they ended up beating us in the last minute four three. We we're three two up with with five minutes to go, and they won four three. And, and the Villa game, we took them to a replay, and they probably kept their strongest team out, but they were going through a bad spell at the time. The year they got relegated, um, yeah. but. Again, I was saying before, we played Villa on Saturday at their training ground, the pre-season game. I know it's pre-season, but they changed their whole first team at half-time, bringing on players who were still worth 10, 15, 20 million. And the gap, the, the gap I think, is, is huge at the minute. Um, and I think they're, they're talking about spending a lot of money as well. And it's, it's really tough because there's a lot of complaints in the Football League about having a salary cap, you know, to making it a bit more even and a bit... Um, less of a golf between the top and the bottom teams and people are complaining about that so it's whichever way you, you kind of see it going but for me the Premier League because there's still five or six teams you can go and spend I still think it stays interesting and I think that gap that gap's been there for a while now and I can only see that gap getting bigger and bigger and bigger just from the power that those clubs have got 
George, you mentioned you, um, sorry, sorry, Sam. Si, George just mentioned there about the salary cap. So you mentioned the salary cap. Obviously, the salary cap's been brought in for League One and League Two. Obviously, you've just left League One. Um, as a club, um, are the players relieved to be moving out of League One, for example, so they can um, they can be able to push forward with their careers? Um, see bigger and better players come in because obviously you look at the salary cap uh, in League One for example League Two that it's going to be a difficult one to attract players because every single club can, can offer the same kind of money so it's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation whereas um, no disrespect to, um, uh, to certain areas that um, if you want to sign for a certain club you're going to pick an area over a, another area for living in so it's, it's, going to, it's going to be a tough one for certain clubs to carry, carry this on. Yeah, and also if you've got teams like Sunderland who get thirty thousand every week, having the same yeah. budget as no disrespect to to Accrington who get yeah. you know two thousand every week, then yeah. I don't see how that's kind of that's kind of fair that Sunderland can bring in you know X amount of millions per year and more than Accrington will, but they can only spend the same amount on players. I don't think that's mm. that's kind of fair. I get I get the situation that we're in around you know in the country at the minute and things like that, and there's probably something that had to be done, but. Not necessarily having a cap, maybe just a percentage of it would have been better. I know there's FFP and things like that, but teams oh, seem to be getting away done, with. I don't think that is. Yeah, teams seem to be, you know, making up their own rules with that, and and you've seen in the press recently with teams kind of, um, you know, um, going against the rules with that and not getting punished as as you know well as they probably should have been. So. Um, it's difficult, like you said. We I spoke to an agent in the summer, like a friend of mine, and he said it's just going to become, you know, probably like a London v Manchester mm. kind of league, where, mm. like you said, players are going to want to live, you know, where their families are, where they want to be based, mm. and and that's how the, the league's going to be set up. Well, I said the same thing uh, last week, sure. Uh, didn't I say that, um, that? That no disrespect to, to where I live in the northeast, that. Uh, Middlesbrough have been really fortunate over the last 25 years that they've been able to rely on the chairman who's been able to splash loads of cash at players and, and, and they've been able to come and play the football. When you haven't got that money or someone else can offer exactly the same money as you can, people don't want to come and, and, and live in the area because of uh, ICI or, 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 or pollution or certain things which, which, which get a bad, bad press. And, and I just find it is, is a little bit disrespectful. Like, like, we, like you just said there, Joe, that, that people are going to want to going to sign for the London club so in five years time for example Barnet um, get out of the conference they're going to be laughing because they're, they're based in a good place they've got a decent brand new ground and they're going to be able to spend the same money as Sunderland FC are at the minute and um, unless a team like Sunderland can get out of that and hope that they, doesn't, they don't put a cap in, in the championship the, the season they get in it that they're always yeah. going to be fighting a losing battle because it's going to be so difficult for a team to achieve um, greatness and get in the Premier League where they need to be without Risking and, and splashing that kind of money because let's say let's say next season side that um, they put in um, a salary cap in the championship because they're on about FIFA fair uh, FIFA fair play rules um, uh, and wage rules. Derby got round it this year by getting Wayne Rooney in by paying him via a, a different company um, by Red company wasn't it? Uh, uh, by a betting company yeah um, and. Let's say it happened this year, then Bournemouth, a team like Bournemouth, you know what I mean, going back on them, they'd be screwed because they're getting all this money in and they wouldn't be able to spend it out on players and they're going to be, no. you know what I mean? so they're going to have all this money floating around in the bank. It's just a waste because yeah. they're losing assets and they can't get the assets back in because from where Bournemouth is, yes, it's a lovely place to live, but it's miles away so people can't uproot the families, for example, and, and move halfway around the country to go and play football. So it's, I do feel really sorry for certain teams and I do hope common sense prevails and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't ruin it because for me, if they're going to do this, 
I'd be all for a North and a South League, and every game would be a derby. The crowds would be bigger. You know what I mean? I'd I'd I'd, I'd look That's at something it. something different. I'd look at something different. Not not in Championship because Championship and Premier League is a different animal. But I think uh, they do it in the in the in the in the in 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 Jason Ainsley's league in the in the in Conference North and South because mm. you know what I mean. It's uh, but I just think I just think this cap in, in League One and League Two, and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm really happy that that obviously goes out trouble. of it. Um, you know what I mean? Because I spoke to uh, Joe's manager uh, a week ago, and same conversation. You know that budgets and things would have been it would have been so different, and your outlook on this whole season would have been would have been an absolute nightmare. Really. Yeah, you like and you'd yeah, be neat. You'd... Go on, sorry, Joe. I was going to say one about the um, like the north and south, but there's talk of Man City even knowing that you know to attract they might fail to attract players that Chelsea can because players want to come over and live in London. So they were talking at one point of moving their training ground to London yeah. and having that as their base so that players can kind of live there as well. So they obviously have thought about it a lot. Um, so it just shows that it's there. Listen, every 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 player side who comes to comes to England and goes to Manchester, if that's Man United in the past or it's Man City now, what do they complain about? They complain about the weather. They complain yeah. how cold it is. You know, I want to go to London. Well, go to London. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a short career. You know what I mean? And... You know what I mean? If, if they come into England for the weather, then they're, delu- they're deluded say, anyway. I live, I live just outside London and the weather's not that much better down here, let me tell you. <laughs> exactly. You know, if, they, if they're looking for weather, go to go to Spain, go to Italy, go to Portugal. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. you, listen, there's, there's, there's ways and means, so. That's, yeah. Just reading that. Is That's a good one, that, isn't it? Shocking. <laughs> good one, that. <laughs> Um, Reese made a good point there. He says um, or he says uh, Rooney's a player coach, so obviously coaches' salaries aren't part of FFP. So you know, Derby also got around it that way. But um, you know, um, I don't. People can tell me as, until they're blue in the face that the what was the company and the betting company? Bet it was it uh, Red. Uh, was it eight eight eight? Oh, I can't remember. No, I read something, wasn't it? Red thirty two. Number. It read thirty two. Um, you can't tell me that Wayne Rooney, who's, who's wears won, number thirty two, won won number ten for his whole career, <laughs> other than when he had to wear eight at United, has has just decided. Oh, I'm I'm coach now, so I'm going to wear number thirty two. Coincidentally, yeah. you it's yeah. rubbish. So he's got thirty two on his front, thirty two on his back. Yeah, yeah. listen, yeah. And he's coincidentally done like a Wayne Rooney. Come in here and explain yourself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Won't ask you any tough questions. No, they. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I just, I salary cap. I don't think it can work because, uh, again, Reese said there. You, you know, if you've got a Sunderland with thirty thousand fans, and like Joe said, you know, Accrington getting X amount of fans, certain clubs bring in more money, so mm. they should be able to spend that money. Now, could you cap wages? Maybe that's. Uh, a better way to go so you're not you know players are not getting what like I think Gareth Bale's on like 600 grand a week or something ridiculous after you know and I don't begrudge footballers getting you know you get paid what what the going rate is for for your level that's what it is same as any uh, business but I just think at the moment like football's just going up and up and up in wages and transfer fees eventually it's going to pop they cannot it can't just go up exponentially and just there's got to be a point where we say right maybe we need to rein it in a bit because you know soon enough there's going to be a player earning a million pound a week the way it's going and you know clubs are going the clubs who can't afford those exorbitant wages they're the ones who suffer 
yeah. on the pitch and off the pitch. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, on a much more positive note, uh, we had some fans back in the grounds, mate, on the weekend. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I. Um, it was um, it was Connor's key manager. Follows on Twitter and and, and he put, and he put on. He was watching a game. Um, uh, at the weekend, Charlie against somebody, and there was I think there was three, four hundred fans there in a um, social distance environment watching a game of football. And you know, listen, if if we can get fans back into the game, I know Brighton tested it as well um, in their friendly against Chelsea, and I'm all for it. Listen, um, I, I I was lucky enough, and I watched Joe's game uh, in the playoff final and saw um, no fans there, and I, I, I was, I'm really interested to find out what it was like Joe to play in front of no no fans because. Um, obviously, the, the last time I played in front of uh, no fans, it was it was a reserve game. It was hard for me to get myself motivated, myself going, and I just I, I felt really sorry for professional footballers because it's such a must such be it must be a, such a difficult situation to find yourself in, especially when there's a there's an outcome at the end of it. What needs to be needs to be dealt with and sorted, and there's and, and there's points to play for. It must be so difficult. What was it like? Uh, do you know what? Because it was only three get well, you know, we came back from the playoffs, so we kind of knew right. This is there's going to be no fans here. And we, we had such a big carrot, I think, for us to kind of get to Wembley and then get promoted that the fans thing kind of took a bit of a back seat for us. And we were just so like adamant about just preparing right for the game. And, you know, because we played at Fleetwood and it's a small stadium, we actually took all our squad up there. We had some directors and we said to them before the game, like, you got to be our fans today. And it was, re- and it was really interesting. We could hear everything. We, every time we tackled someone, cleared the ball, had a shot, all our subs, all our who were dotted at the side, all our directors were clapping and cheering, and it kind of felt like we had, you know, a bit of crowd there. And yeah. it was the same at Wembley when um, we had a few of the boys who weren't in the squad up, at, you know, on the second tier or whatever it was, and you could hear them, you know, praising us. But at Wembley, you know, it's you know such a huge stadium, and you walk out, and it's weird. You don't stand in the tunnel next to the players. You walk out, and you're kind of like you look at the stadium you're like oh this is like a bit weird like having no fans and stuff but then as soon as the game goes you don't you don't recognize you not recognize you don't realize that there's no one there you just focus so much on just the pitch and the players and yeah it's only when there's a break in play and you have a look around you know like, like 50 80,000 empty seats you know yeah. in the stadium and it's a little bit strange but while you're playing i think it was i think it was all right i didn't mind it too much i know what you're saying about a resi game and i played in them where it's hard. Yeah, it's horrible. You don't want to be there, and and mm. you don't want to be playing. You feel like you're you're not part of the first team. But because we had such a huge carrot at the end of it that we were desperate yeah. to kind of win, we were so focused on that that everything else kind of didn't really matter. Yeah, no, good. And, and, and I think it must be. Um, it must have been uh, probably the reason what I'm what, what I'm saying there is uh, probably the Liverpool lads when they won the league and the last couple of games. And I'll use the Man City game as, as an example where that I'm not saying that they didn't try because Man City just blew them away on the night, but. You know, I mean, you could just—it must be hard to motivate in certain games. If you if you're relegated like Norwich City, or you you're not playing for anything, and and you don't want to get injured, you're out of contract. You know, it must be so difficult for those kind of players in the Championship and uh, at the bottom or the middle of the Premier League, where they have nothing to play for. It must be really hard for those kind of guys. Yeah, and you see, well, the few players that kind of refuse to play as well. Yeah. Which um, for me, that I've, yeah, that didn't sit too well with me, to be honest. But. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, interesting. You're going to get Andy going. You're going to get him going. His blood pressure going, Andy. Interesting, Joe. Because listen, we had the we had the same uh, debate. Obviously, the, the most high, the most high profile one and the first one to come out was Lyle Taylor. Um, obviously, yeah. Lyle came out, uh, didn't give a reason for a good to ten days before he. Um, and for me, 
uh, didn't sit right with me at all. You know, and, 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 and I probably feel even worse now that Charlton got relegated. You know, that if that's my team yeah, yeah. or he's my teammate, he wouldn't be a friend of a teammate ever again because, you know what I mean, that would, that would have been it because I would have been absolutely mortified and disgusted with him because that was, um, it was a big thing um, for Charlton. You know what I mean? I was a big uh, advocate of Lee Boyer. I thought Lee Boyer did a fantastic job all through the season and he's going to be in there. He's going to be in League One next season with a massive football club with a um, a cap on wages, so you know what I mean. While Lyle Taylor's playing in the championship, playing with new teammates, not a care in the world, I, doesn't sit right. So I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad a, a current player had uh, similar mm-hmm. reservations. Except I'm 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 allowed to wear mine. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it happens all the time. Every, every season, there's players who are out of contract who, you know, sort things out for themselves with ten, fifteen games. You're allowed to talk to a club, so. It must go on all the time, but no one ever refuses to play the last 10, 15 oh. games or whatever. And yeah. me, if, like you said, if I was in that battle and our best player turned around and said, look, lads, like, I've, I've got moves sorted, I'd be a bit like, look, fair, fair play to you, get that move sorted. But, you know, you might cost us all, you know, all our livelihoods and, and money and finances mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, so... Let, but that's, that's it's not just it's, it's not just the players, you know, Joe. As well, is it? It's not just the players. It's not just the players yeah. as well. You know, especially in football nowadays. You know, you've fans, got people, you've got the, the fans, yeah. you've got the the, the 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 workers who work in the clubs. Someone might lose their jobs because they're they're now down a the league. There's 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 overheads. There's less attendances. You're not getting the sponsorship money. Sky. You know, what I mean, there's there's the gonna it's gonna generate less income now because of the drop down of division and and. Yeah. and I'm not. I'm listen. I'm not. I'm not blaming Lyle. You know what I mean. They, they, yeah, they didn't go down because of him. They went down because they deserved to go down, and they weren't. They weren't very good throughout a 46 game season. But he had a big part to play in that. You, you say that, mate. Yeah. You say that yeah, they didn't go down because of him. Like obviously that is fact. They over 30, 30 odd games, they weren't good enough. However, you know everything which they did good throughout the season came through him. He scored a lot of their goals. Joe just said he was their, he's their best player, he's their penalty taker, he's he's the lifeblood of their attacking side of their football. He takes a good so, penalty though, side, doesn't he? He takes a good penalty. He does. Like his penalty. Nerve, uh, nerves, Joe, Joe, nerves of steel, mate. Joe like, Joe like that. Joe like that. Joe likes his penalty. Yeah, I like his penalty. Very, very calm Who's, and collected. Which penalty's better, Lyle Taylor or Bruno Fernandes? Is a question for you. Oh. I like Lyle. But I don't think um, one has missed. Of yeah. how different it is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. However, however, the first one who misses—that's what it is. That's the competition, is it? You know, like, that. Listen, Matt Lassissier didn't take a great penalty, but he seemed to score every one apart from one. And his one was—was was it Mark Crosley who saved his yeah. penalty? So it's—it's, it's, you know, I think he scored yeah. forty-six out of forty-seven. So it, sometimes you you put the keep the wrong way. It looks like a good penalty. It might be an awful penalty. My penalty against Leeds. If Neil Sullivan had gone the wrong way, yeah. my penalty would have been an amazing penalty. It, I just passed it in. But unfortunately, he went the right way. And he caught. He caught. He put a cap on it. Yeah. So <laughs> let's say, uh, bef- Joe. Before we move on to your career, we're going to take a couple of uh, questions from the live chat now. But um, I've got a question for the live chat first. Someone has left an angry face emoji on Facebook. Um, I'd like to know what we've said, which has made someone so angry. Because um, I don't think we've talked about anything particularly controversial. Maybe. So it's, maybe it's Lyle Taylor. Yeah, that could be the only thing. It could be loud, <laughs> no, it or, or it could be my wife. Either have, way. I mi- have I missed that one, Sai? Have, have I missed that one? Yeah, it's just no, it's just a Facebook. You know when you can like drop a like or whatever, and oh, you can okay. drop like a love or whatever. It's your face. It's yes, yeah, my, my my wife just said it's just my face. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, so uh, confidence J- builder. 
Yeah, well, that's it. It's always building my <coughs> self-esteem. That's what it is. Um, James Costley says, uh, being from Cardiff and being in the youth team, uh, did you grow up supporting the best team in uh, not only in Wales but the world? Yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I used to go from as early as I can remember. I used to go with my dad and my brother. Um, you'd sit on the bob bank. My dad had, then my dad got a season ticket while I was in youth team, and and I kind of used to sneak round and sit with him. And um, I was there for the for the Leeds game in the FA Cup. Obviously, when Cam scored a winner at Millennium, um, went to a few away games. We um, yeah, I was there there all the time at Ninian Park. Love it, good man. What uh, what do you miss? What was your favourite moment at Ninian Park, Joe? Either watching or as a player. Uh, the Le the Leeds game, the FA Cup game, was the best game. I was standing on the Bob Bank and just yeah, little things like when Alan Smith got sent off the elbow, Andy leg, um, yeah. when Cap scored the free kick, um, and then for for Youngy to score the winner, uh, you know, obviously homegrown lad and things like that. It was um, yeah, it was a bit nut. Yeah, proper went off that day, and it was. Mm. Um, I think the, it, the, it, old, it, the OG one club band, by the way. Yeah. But it makes it it makes it more special, yeah. doesn't it? You know that that when you when you know somebody and you know somebody cares so much as as a, as a youngie or a leggy, you know that, um, and and you when you, when you know that it means so much to them to score the winning goal, you know you see the elation in youngie's face when he scored that goal against Leeds, the celebration. It was just. It was just something that will always be etched in the history, and, and I'm glad it's someone like him because he's just the nicest nicest fellow in the world as well. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Rye asks, uh, what was it like to play at Home Park? Uh, down in Plymouth. Yeah. It was um, it, it was always quite a hostile atmosphere. We've got a bit of a um, little rivalry with um, with Plymouth somehow. Um, I think we played a game against them a few years ago and our goalie, um, our goalie went down injured after five minutes and the only uh, reserve goalkeeper we had was our 45 five-year-old goalie coach on the bench and he came on and we just tried to we scored a goal early on and tried to just defend and take our time with everything and they hated us and it was one of those games where it was just like everything just went our way and, and we ended up winning the game one nil and and yeah we got a lot of stick but we, we also played him in the playoffs in my first year at Wickham and and um beat them in the playoffs so I think there's always been a little bit of needle their managers come out or their old manager uh, Derek Adams came out and said a few things about us and refused to shake the gaffer's hand after one of the games and just there's just always a bit of needle but it's, it's like I said I love I really like playing at the stadium's great um, the pitch was always nice big pitch and we always had good games there and I, I like to think we at Wickham we always I think we always won or may have drawn one game there but we always did really well there cool and James Trask asks, "What was the, uh, what's been the lowest point of your career so far, and how did you overcome it?" Um, when I signed for Oldham, I got a bad injury in, in the pre-season, and it and it was one of those I had a problem in my groin, but never really kind of got sorted out or fixed properly. It wasn't diagnosed properly, and I was you know traveling all around the country getting injections and scans, and nothing. No one could kind of get the right answer for me, so. You know, I was probably unfit for 18 months, probably may have played 10, 15 games in the middle, but I was in a lot of pain, you know, off the pitch. I'd be at home, little things like putting my shoes and socks on in the morning. I was in agony and it was just, and then I got told, you know, a year into that, that I needed to find a new club, that, you no. know, I wasn't going to be involved and Brutal. I had to train, you know, train with a little group of five of us. And it was just, yeah, bad time. And it, it was really difficult. And it was only when I kind of left and went on loan and, and started playing football again that, that I kind of, you know, 
felt good about myself and and you know if you ask my missus she'll probably say that was the worst you know the worst and angriest i've been off the pitch you know in, in the whole time yeah. we've been together as well so it kind of comes hand in hand how'd you get yourself through that joke you know what i mean because like you, you personally because i've been in that situation uh when i was at middlesbrough i was uh i was in the bomb squad so to speak so we had uh we had 10 players um which which we trained our own we didn't have a coach and then obviously lads dwindled down so somebody leaves going to somewhere else so you get nine eight seven and then in the end before i left there was three of us uh three of us left it was so disheartening so disheartening but you just had to keep professional keep doing it right knowing that hopefully something would turn up for you but then at the same time you were leaving a couple of your mates behind you know like in the, in the trenches so you did you felt a little bit guilty at the same time yeah it's weird and you kind of create your own little club type thing it's uh it's a bit strange and you all kind of look out we had like like you said we were in the bomb squad we were training six of us i think it was got told at the start of the season new manager came in and i look it was it was their decision i respected it i was coming back from uh the injury as well so i kind of was that was my sole purpose right try and get back fit um i ended up actually doing quite well we got told you know none of us are going to be back involved none of us are going to train with the first team i actually did well in the reserve team games and and got back into the first team squad, played a game, and then you know I went. I should have been playing. I'm not, you know, being big headed, but I should have been playing. I told the manager, and he was like, I, you know, I I want to play you, but I've been told I can't play. You've got to leave. Yeah. Um. I'd go to see the speak to the chairman. The chairman would say, no, it's nothing to do with. So no one was really giving me the answers, and it was yeah. I just had to get out in the end, and and thankfully, um, Ackington. I went on loan there a few years um, earlier, and they they. He was the, the manager was still there took me in and, and kind of gave me that new lease of life of playing again which uh, I can't thank them enough I think it's difficult though isn't it because I think uh, I think people who um, don't know that goes on behind closed doors and, and, and all of a sudden as a player all you want to do is play all you want to do is, is feel part of it that you turn up every day for training um, wanting to play with the group wanting to train with the lads wanting to play in the first team or fight for your place in the first team when you're told that um, that you're not allowed I think that sometimes um um, rubs you up a little bit the wrong way, and it, and it, it leaves you a little bit bitter, leaves, leaves you a little bit disappointed. But at the same time, you you want to do things right because you want to keep yourself right because you know there's more clubs, 90, 92 other clubs, ninety one other clubs that you can go to potentially. And um, and I think being in that being in that position yourself gives you an opportunity to speak to younger players if that ever happens to them. And and I think it's a good way of showcasing your talent as well because it shows how professional you can be as well. Yeah, it's hard. It's because you know that however well you do you're not going to be selected on the weekend and there's nothing worse than getting up on a Saturday, having a weekend off and, and just seeing all the results come in and you're not part of it. It doesn't affect you what goes on for your own team. It's, um, it wasn't nice. And I actually at the time was living with the, with the captain, I think he was at the time, um, one of my best mates. And it was, so it was hard for him as well because, was, you know, playing every week, being the captain, being involved, and he'd come home and, and see me and, and see how I was being treated. And it was it was hard for him to have that, that both ways. But you've got, like you said, you've got to kind of just do it for yourself. You've just got to be really selfish and yeah. just think, like, take a step back and think, how am I going to get through this? And you've got to just be professional, train well, and hope that you can you can get a club. And out of those, out of those six players, I think I was the only one who, oh, there was one other who kind of had a career for the next few years. The rest kind of drifted out and maybe because they didn't do similar things to what I did. I think you've got to be driven as well, though, because like you say, you know what I mean, that that can also be on the other side of the coin that um, you mentioned there, the captain. If that's uh, if that's you, though, you're in the first team and you see someone, some of the younger players or some of the other players who are, who are not in the first team or the manager's plans, you can't feel sorry for them because 
they're there to take your place as well or someone else can take your place and you can be quickly in their position as well and uh, and in football what, what I learned very quickly is dog eat dog and um, you know that there's always somebody there who wants to take your place there's always somebody there who, who can t- or will take your place if you're not bang on your game all of the time day in day out week in week out game in game out and it's um, it can be the best job in the world but at the same time it can be such a uh, mentally draining tiring um, um, scenario as well sorry Gaz yeah, has just asked a question which kind of follows into the, what we were just talking about there uh, he said um, what sort of support would Oldham the FA or football generally give to players when their mental health is perhaps suffering or they're feeling a bit low Um is there support there for, for players, mate? Or do you kind of have to deal with it yourself or with your friends or your teammates or your family or whatever? I think there is now. Um, going back, what, 10 years when I was there, there was no one came to me and said, you know what, if you're having any problems, speak to this person. And probably looking back, you know, I wasn't I wasn't in the best place mentally, looking back at it, of, of mm. how I was and things like that. And But there, there wasn't anyone, I think... The football club, nine times out of ten in the past, would have just all they cared about is who's going to play for me on a Saturday. You're the ones that are most important. Everyone else, I don't need you this week. I might have to pick you next week if someone gets injured, but for now, I don't really care about you. And it's and it is tough, but now the the PFA are trying to do a lot more. The FA are trying to do a lot more, and and the, I can only speak for our club. And you know, there's a psychologist that comes in once a week that some of the players are allowed to speak to. Um, there's you know we we have physiotherapists to look after our body, you know, on hand 24 seven and doctors yet we don't have anyone there full time. who kind of looks after your brain and your mind and, and which is just as important. So I think that's, that's coming into the game a lot more now and it definitely needs to, needs to. And um, yeah, it's hard. You see a lot of players now coming out saying how, how much they suffered over the years and they weren't really saying anything because there was a stigma around it. And I think a lot of the time as well, players don't want to say that they're, you know, depressed or have got some some issues going on because managers may not want to pick them or or may you know treat them differently, and that's what not what the players want. Well, George just mentioned the SI, you know, that uh, there wasn't the people to go and speak to, you know, like numbers wise. That, that that Joe said there, we probably had manager, assistant manager, captain, um, and out of those three, you probably don't want to go and tell either or because the chances were it would get back to the manager, and George just said they wouldn't pick you. Um, and you can't afford that to happen. So you you go, you keep it to yourself. Things get worse, and, and then all of a sudden you've got yourself in a situation which is spiraling out of control, um, and there's no going back. You know that I think um, the PFA weren't aware and weren't involved. Um, thankfully, now they are aware of uh, mental health issues. Um, I still think they can do more for players who get released um, because obviously the, um, the, 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 the transition period between playing and not playing is just ridiculous. It's massive. It's too big um, yeah. in, in, in terms of um, golf-wise. And, um, and, you know, I mean, from, from being there myself, you know, that one minute you're football and the next, the next you're not, it's, it's a difficult thing to take. And, and if you're not ready for it as well and you're not at an age or mentally uh, grown up enough or... Uh, mature enough. It, I'm guessing it can be even harder as well. And if uh, and if you've had a bad experience beforehand um, at a club where you haven't been treated great, then you know what I mean. I, I, I'm guessing it can be even worse as well. And you know what I mean. We've seen um, some horror stories, and we've seen players, ex-players, teammates, friends of ours who've um, unfortunately lost their lives because of certain certain things and certain issues. And, and, and listen, it can't keep happening um, yeah. because. Uh, because it's just not fair. It's not fair on families. Yeah. It's not fair on people who, uh, who who know them. It's not fair on football in general and, and the football family. So for me, if they can, 
if if people and there's an, a, there's a, a process that people can go and talk to, then I'm all for it. If that's ex players getting involved, then let's do it and, let, and let's do it quickly because it's uh, it shouldn't be happening as much as it is. Spot on, mate. No, Spot right. on. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay, last couple of questions, just from the two two quick ones from the live chat, and then I'll come back to them uh, towards the end of the show, where guys, because there's a few questions. Uh, uh, Mr. Stuart Campbell, daddy of a legend, <laughs> my old man, um, my old man, legend. A few, few weeks ago, he asked uh, us how much Messi would cost if he left. Turns out his contract has a buyout clause of over six hundred million. Do you think he will go? Oh. <sighs> Why would anyone pay six hundred million pounds for a player who's got one year left on his contract? I just can't see it happening. I, I, I'd, I'd listen. I'd love to see him in the Premier League. I'd love to watch him live. He's thirty-three years old. I know. Well, and, and there's that on top of it. You know that even if he played till he's forty, as a business decision, that's a hundred million pounds for every year he's going to play again. And I, I, I just can't see. I can't see any chairman going to push the boat out and spend that kind of money if he's a free transfer. That's a different kettle of fish because people Even will pay the wages. Even and Man City, like knowing their their owners are all about like the the big just, signings and they want the Champions League. Would they push the boat out? I'm not saying they'll pay six hundred million, but would they potentially offer like two hundred million or two hundred and fifty and say, "There you go, cash. You know, you can have that now if you sell him to us for that." Do you think? Do you think if someone did offer two hundred million pounds, they'd sell him? Um, I think if he leaves now in this kind of state, then I think that club and you know what it's like with the president of the club and things like that. I think they'd just be uproar. I think mm. they're going to do everything they can to keep him. Mm. I, I think he'll end up staying. I think a yeah, similar thing happened with Rooney a few years ago when when yeah. he. He was saying he wants to go to Man City or whatever it was, and Man City couldn't offer him. In the end, he ended up signing a new massive contract and and, and whatever. I don't know whether he's doing it for that reason. Yeah, but... It wasn't necessarily about leave him though, Joe, was it? It was about um, making a point that they wasn't happy with how things were going in terms of bringing players in and maybe the yeah. way the squad is. And I think he, I I agree with you. I think maybe Messi is trying to make that a similar point. I don't wants. think he's doing it for money, though, Sai. I think he's no, doing no, it. no. For I think he's he... doing it for the president. I yeah, think because I think because there's a because there's a, I'm sure there's an election coming up in a year's time. There is, uh, and I think I think he's doing it in terms of there's an election coming up. Uh, listen, I think and watch this space. Messi could be the first player president ever to to wear a oh. wear a football shirt. I'm <laughs> telling on, you, man. watch his space. Watch his space. Could be. Yeah, yeah I think he can do whatever he wants there. Yeah, exactly, and, and I agree. It's going to have to do something, something so stupid, isn't it? Well, he's, he's got that anyway, hasn't he? He's got that anyway. He's, he's, Unless uh... he goes to Madrid, they might not yeah, like him cool. so much then. <laughs> um, okay, uh, last question then, and we'll move on to, to you, Joe. Uh, James Tra- uh, No, sorry, uh, James Costley asks: uh, Will you celebrate if you score against Cardiff City? What a question that is! Yeah, and put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think I will. I don't have the most outrageous celebrations anyway. Um, but you beat me yeah, to it. You beat so. me to it. Uh, yeah, you beat me to that. Even even Good. his hat trick celebration, he doesn't have an outrageous celebration. It just runs about. Yeah, yeah. Say, I'm mate. not. I'm not one of the big, big. I'll have a little knee. I'll have a little knee slide in a big game or something like that. But um, no, I think I will. Like I've, I'm, I'm playing for my team and my club, and I want to win. Do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. You know, and, and if my Good team answer. wins, I want to celebrate. Good. Yeah, of course. It's, 
against Go Cardiff and, and I, you, you know that was the first game I looked out for when the when the fixtures came out and thankfully the away game yeah. is in March so hopefully the the fans and things will come back but I think yeah I mean yeah I think I don't mind players celebrating against their old teams look they they're at a new team they they should you know want to play for that new team that they've got and, and celebrate that so um mm. yeah I mean I still like I'm still a Cardiff fan and, and things like that but um yeah, it'd be nice as well with all my family and friends who are still Cardiff fans go to games to kind of get one over on them as well. Is it is it is it disrespectful though, Joe, for for players not to celebrate because you, you you're playing for Good a team question. who's paying your wages, um, and you know what I mean there's been a lot of players who haven't celebrated, but like you just said there that 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 you're playing for your team. You know what I mean? Yes, you're a Cardiff fan, but you're playing for your team. Yeah, uh, is it disrespectful? I don't I don't think it's disrespectful, but I don't. You know, if you want to celebrate, celebrate. I don't think there's any. I don't think fans are going to come out and say, you know, he's he used to be one of ours. We don't like him anymore because he celebrated a goal against us. I don't think, I don't think that would happen. I'm, I scored against Shrewsbury, my, my old team, who I had a great rapport with. With the fans, had three good years there, and I, I celebrated. I didn't even think about not celebrating. I just ran yeah. off when I scored. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just. I think. There's too many people. I think I think before the game. If I score, I'm not celebrating that. <laughs> I don't think you should have that mentally going into the game. Hmm. No, I totally agree. I think I think I think a certain club pays your wages. You deserve to celebrate. And and for me, I'd see it as disrespectful towards your fans who, if you're not celebrating, because they 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 pay good money to see you wear wear the wear your badge and. And I'm all for celebration. You know, what I mean, every goal can be your last goal, and you want to celebrate yeah. your last goal. If that's your last goal in your career, and you didn't celebrate it, I'd, it'd be it'd be a little bit I'd be a little bit disappointed with it. Joe, will you do the Ayatollah when you score against Swansea? <laughs> 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 I thought about I this. Don't, I don't, I don't I understand what's funny about that question. <laughs> oh, didn't who was it? Didn't was it Jermaine Easter? Did it? Was he? Yeah, Jermaine, Jermaine, Jermaine did it. Yeah, yeah, Jermaine did it. Uh, yeah, and I don't think he he managed to escape the stadium too easily. But um, oh, it depends. If I'm getting stick off off crowd, I don't know whether they'll know um, that I'm ex Cardiff or anything like that. But um, if I'm getting stick, then why can't I give a little bit back? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And thing is, though, it's it, football's football's fun. I'm supposed to be fun. It's like a pantomime, isn't it? You know what I mean? And if you're not allowed to um, to give something back in the right way, it's not like you're jumping in the crowd, are you? Or throwing throwing something in the crowd, yeah. You're doing something for me, which yeah, is exactly. a, a, a gesture back. Because if if fans are able to give you pelters, that's uh, mental abuse, uh, verbal abuse, then surely you'll have to give something back. Yeah, and the game against Swansea is is on TV in about three weeks' time, so that'd be even more interesting oh, bonus. having that. Then. Yeah. Oh, we'll be, be all over it. We'll do it. We'll do a special. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you enjoy, please, please. Oh please. no, yeah, need please. to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let's touch on your career a bit then, Joe. Um, I'm just changing my uh, my headphones a sec. So yeah, yeah, okay. Right, right. Um, so Andy, there was um, there was a question actually, which I was going to ask you, but uh, I can't find it. It's gone. Um, yeah, so I'm looking uh, looking forward to the season start. It's come it's come very quickly, Andy, haven't it? You know, we'll be doing our championship yeah. preview now. Ooh. Week yeah, Friday. just just speaking to just speaking to Joel, you know that 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 certain players have had uh, a couple of weeks off. Um, some players have had longer than others. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how players react to um, shorter pre seasons, longer pre seasons, uh, longer rest, shorter rest. You know, because it's a 
everyone's different, you know, that sometimes the less rest um, and the, as long as you've uh, mentally um, prepared, right, that, you know, I mean, physically, you, you, you should be all right. Yeah, I think uh, it'd be very interesting to see. Just before we do go into Joe's, I just uh, just had a question from Joshua Arnold. Um, it's an interesting one, so I thought I'd ask this one. He says, um, uh, "What's it like playing with Alex Pattinson?" Uh, he's a he's a Middlesbrough fan. Joshua is. He said, uh, "I thought he would have broken into the first team at Middlesbrough, but now, but uh, he wasn't. So he's gone out first to, on loan to York City, then Yeovil before joining uh, Wickham. Hope he does well in the Championship." Yeah, he's he's a good player. He's got loads of energy, yeah. good, good engine on him. Yeah, very good player. And um, mm. I think he was just unlucky at, at Middlesbrough. Look, it's hard when you're young, like coming through at a big club. And I think he just wanted to um, to get away. And, and unfortunately, he went through some some tough stuff at home with his mum. And you know, he's come to us, and I think he's had a bit of a new lease of life um, the last year. And he played a big part in in the playoffs for us and and in the final came on and and did a good job so um yeah he's looking to have a a big season and yeah you could tell he's he's been working really hard in the summer he's come back he's lost a load of weight and he's um he's he's on one at the minute and it's good to see i think joe it's nice to see um lads be given an opportunity isn't it because you know i mean they're um, everybody finds the right team sometimes. You know what I mean? You can go to this team, doesn't work out. You can go to that team, doesn't work out. Because he's had, he's had such upheaval at Middlesbrough with um, so many managers in a short space of time. And he's, 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 he's impressed one manager. He leaves. He impresses, he impresses the next manager. Doesn't get a chance. The new manager comes in, doesn't like him or doesn't, yeah. doesn't see his potential. So he's got to move on. And it, the, the, probably the, um, the. The disappointments of being a young player sometimes, you know what I mean, that you move from club to club and then all of a sudden you you find your belief in a manager, obviously Gareth, uh, obviously your manager, likes him, gives him an opportunity to platform his career and, and, and hopefully he can progress up to to get where he wants to be as a footballer. Yeah, and also, you know, when you're a young lad coming through and a new manager comes in, the last thing they're going to do is put a youngster in that they don't know too much about rather than a, a big name or, a, or an experienced pro. So it's always hard as a young lad trying to, have a manager who's kind of settled and knows them and can kind of trust them and then throw them in then. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. It's so, it's so disappointing. I wouldn't, um, I don't think I'd, uh, I don't think I'd be very happy if someone asked me to start all over again and be a young lad in football. I think I'd, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd be able to handle it again, honestly. It's, it's really especially hard, Especially yeah. knowing, yeah. especially knowing what you know, you know, I mean, if we were going in blind, it might be a different scenario, but knowing what I know now, I think I'd, uh, I think I'd crash and burn. There you go. Brutal. Brutal. Brutally honest. <laughs> Mm. Um, okay, so uh, let's touch on your career a bit, Joe. What's your uh, your what's your earliest football related memory? Um, I think it was I went to see Wales play um, against Romania. You know, at the Old Arms Park. I think it was about ninety four, and they had to win to qualify for the World Cup. Was it? I think yeah. at that time, and they lost. I think it's, the Wales got one 0 up, or they lost two one, or someone missed a penalty. I can't can't quite remember. Paul, was it, it was it Paul Borden? Did Paul Borden miss penalty? Yeah. Yeah, that rings about. Yeah, yeah, Paul Bowden missed. Um, and I remember my dad coming to my school, my school, and yeah, sorry, just um, yeah, giving me tickets. I don't know whether it's for my birthday or come or something. Gave me a present. I went with my dad, and I think that was the year as well, or that game where unfortunately someone someone got killed in the stand by a firework or firework, or yeah. a missile, some sort of missile. Yeah, so that was that was my first. I think my first game I went to, um, and then also around the same time was when Cardiff beat Man City in the FA Cup. I think about ninety five. 
yeah, when they won one nil. Um, so that was yeah for me. I think that's the earliest kind of proper football memories I've got. With uh, Paul Borden missing the penalty, then Joe, is that why you became a penalty specialist to uh, eradicate, <laughs> eradicate the memories? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, we won't talk about the penalty I missed on the weekend in the friendly. So, let's just... oh, oh, did you? Oh, yeah. do you know what? I wouldn't have mentioned it because I didn't know about yeah. it. Did Jack Greenish yeah. play on Saturday? Yeah, he did. Yeah, very good player. Very good. Is he, do you think he's he's good enough to make the jump to a top six club? Because he's obviously been he's been heavily linked with United and a few others. Do you think he's ready? Yeah, I think so. I think he's for someone so young to kind of he's carried that team for the last few years, and everything goes through him. Everything he the players look for him. He doesn't give the ball away. He's got you know he he trusts himself and his ability to kind of run the game for them um, mm. and you can see even in the friendly game every time someone got the ball it was like where's he let me give the ball to him and he's going to create something and you can just tell he's got that aura about him that confidence where he's he's ready to go to the one of the big boys and for me I think he does it I can't, couldn't believe he wasn't in the England squad last week when that guy he is yeah. now in England mm. now they've had five people have pulled yeah. out he so now be. he's in yeah he should have been the. He should, I agree with you. He yeah. For me, he des, he's deserved this opportunity. I know he let himself down during um, COVID, and you know what I mean. He did something he shouldn't yeah. have done. But listen, he's a young man. He's made mistakes. Joe said there about about other players looking up to him. You know what I mean? We're not we're not just on about a talented footballer, by the way. We're on about um, a player who the manager's made captain at a very young age. Yeah. And yeah. leads long, by example. Long time leads, boy. Leads by example, and he's got the pressure of the fans, the pressure of the players, the pressure of everything on his shoulders at Villa and um, I think he, I think for me I think he'd progress a little bit faster and a little bit better moving because he wouldn't probably have that extra pressure of having to carry the fans as well because I think if he went to, to a United or a Tottenham or something um, in the Champions League I think he could probably relax a little bit and play his football yeah. instead of instead of worrying that if they lose that he takes it to heart you know what I mean I think uh, as yeah. any young player who's played for their hometown club it's difficult because you don't want to let the fans down and every time you do lose or play badly, you take it worse because you feel as though you've let the fans down and, you know, I mean, you, you played for your, uh, for your, for your hometown club and, um, and, and for, uh, and for team you supported. I did the same at Middlesbrough and I was the same that, that you play badly, you take it to heart, you lose or you miss a chance, you take mm. it even worse than, than any other normal player would. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Arguably, I don't think, don't know whether he'd get into the United midfield now if they signed Do- uh, Van de Beek unless Pogba goes. But um, it'd be interesting to see what he does. Here's a question for you. It's a tricky one. Um, Kelly says, "What's uh, people's thoughts on how Robson Carnu being back in the Wales team? It feels like he made himself available after we qualified." Because obviously he retired, didn't he? Or he made himself unavailable when Giggs took over. Uh, I think it's a. I, I think it's a. I, I, I listen. For me, there's no prouder moment than, than than wearing your country's shirt. You know that that I think anyone in the right mind to uh, retire from international football is 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 ridiculous. Because for me, you want to play football at the highest level for as long as you possibly can. So when you retire. Uh, unless there's a, unless there's a, probably a health or a fitness reason behind it that you want to try and um, prolong your your football career and not having to travel and and try and play another couple of seasons to, at a certain age. That's the only way that I would probably do it. I, I was very surprised why he did it, um, and I'm pleased he's, he's he's come out because I think uh, in in that in that area I think Wales really 
will really uh, excel with him with him up there because I think he's especially yeah. the way that he finished the season. I think he was excellent towards the end of the season for West Brom. Uh, he had a good season. You know what from I mean? He did Christmas time, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and yeah. I think uh, I think West Brom probably wouldn't have struggled to get over the line if he'd have played a full season and and been fit at the start of the season. So you know what I mean? For me, he's an excellent footballer and. Um, I just hope he's given an opportunity by the fans, and fans don't see it as a negative or give him I, an opportunity to uh, to excel, really. Because I think it could, be, it could be publicised differently, though, couldn't it? Depends how people yeah, look at like, it. As a Welsh fan, I think um, I'd be I'd be disappointed if Kiefer Moore doesn't if he starts in front of Kiefer Moore in the next game. I'd be very disappointed because Kiefer Moore, regardless of what I think about Cardiff signing him. I think has been outstanding for Wales. He's done very, very well with Daniel James and Bale, etc. Just behind him, um, and I'd be disappointed if Giggs was to put Robson Carnu as a starter straight away. But you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, Joe, anything to add on that, mate? Uh, yeah, you don't know whether it's come from Ryan Giggs giving him a call because I think I think uh, Wales are a little bit. Probably light in in the you know the number nine area yeah. and, and haven't got someone who's going to score score goals for fun for him. So I think it gives them another little um, avenue to go down. Like you said, Kiefer Moore's done very well as well, and you know he deserves his opportunity. And but you know what fans are like if if Robson Carney comes on, scores a goal straight away, and or yeah, a winner somewhere, then it's all forgotten about, and and it's good. And and the more people that can be available for Wales, you know they haven't got masses to kind of choose from, so. The more people at, at the best level possible that they can choose from, it can only help them next summer. Mm-hmm. Totally agree, yeah. um, Joe. Back on to back on to you. Um, obviously, we spoke about uh, certain players who've, who've excelled by moving um, to certain clubs. Uh, how important have loan moves been in, in your career? Because you've obviously you've had a few. Um, I've I've had a few in my career, and I, obviously I'll I'll give my opinion after. Uh, I'd be interested to see how how you feel about loan moves in general and how they've affected you. So for me personally, I think I've used them at the right times. You know, when I was a young lad at, at Cardiff and wasn't, I knew I wasn't, you know, going to play as much as as I wanted to, and and I needed to go and play games, and and got a great uh, loan move at Bristol Rovers, and and it coincided with us, you know, going on a great run. I was there from February March time, and and ended up, um, you know, getting promoted with them, and and through yeah. the playoffs that season, and it turned out to turn into a permanent move. But you know, I left Cardiff at the time when. I may have, you know, stayed. I still had years left on my contract, but I think once you get that taste of first team football, then yeah. um, you know totally you're agree. desperate for more. Um, and and I went to Accon. Sorry, I went to Accrington before that. Um, played a few games up there. Um, it was nice to kind of move away and experience something else away from home and and live live in a different part of the country that I wasn't used to. And but you know, I'm thankful for them to give me my first kind of league start and, and played a few games, scored my first ever goal. And you know, for me, I, I go into it and, you know, I joined their fight, you know, whatever it was, I, I wanted to give my all and, and impress and because my sole um motivation at the time was to kind of go back to Cardiff and, and prove to them that I should be playing yeah. there. Yeah. Unfortunately it didn't work out and and the other loan move I have was when I was at Oldham when I said I was, you know, kind of desperate to to get out and, and play some football and lucky for me John Coleman at Accrington gave me another opportunity to kind of go back and it probably you know saved my career a little bit that I was able to go play another 20 games uh, which you know in the end got me a move to, to Shrewsbury because you know we did so well as a club and yeah. um, you know I can't thank them enough to kind of they've probably 
kept me in the game for as for as long as I have done, just because of um, you know time and those loan moves. But mm. we we get obviously get a lot of loan moves at uh, loan players at Wickham coming in, and and a lot of them can go on and do amazing things. We had Alfie Mawson came in, you know, and and had an unbelievable season and went to be yeah. a Premier League player. Um, yeah. But then you also have a lot of players who come in and you can tell that they don't want to take on your fight. They're there for selfish reasons. <clears throat> I know you have to be selfish, but in a team environment, you do have to, you know, do well for the team to, to yeah. kind of promote yourself as well. And we've had some that don't understand that and they kind of get left behind. And, and you can tell that they obviously then don't, you know, have a long career in the game. Um, one of the exceptions to that is we had Eberichi Eze, who's just got his move to Crystal Palace. And two two or three years ago, he came in and this young lad who had a bit of a bad reputation at the time of being a bit of a, a bit of an attitude, didn't really care too much. But he came in and from the first day, he was the most humble boy. He, you know, whatever style of football we wanted to play, it might not suit him, but he just did what the manager asked every day in training. He was smiling, enjoying himself. He was ridiculous for us for, for three or yeah. four months. Um and, you know, I'm surprised he's not gone to a top six team. I think he's that good. I think yeah. he's... Well, we've raved about him. We've yeah, raved yeah. about him, Joe, on our, on our championship show. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. It was a great insight, by the way, because um, I think sometimes low moves are, are disrespected by certain players um, and also clubs as well. I think, I think certain clubs use them as a, uh, as a tool just to get players out uh, and, and out on, on mass. Um, but I think they're so important because it's, it's, it's your development um, and your developmental side of the game that you're, you're there to learn a trade and you're there to play in front of crowds and you're there um, to, to, to learn to play adult football and men's football and, and competitive games. And, and I'm a massive advocate. I, I absolutely yeah. adore um, loans football because I think it's better than playing um, in the in the under 18s or playing reserve reserve team yeah. football because the, the, only, it's the only means of getting fit and, and staying where you are. For me, you go and learn a... Um, a different way of playing, uh, different formations, playing with different players, different managers. You, you can live in a different area, um, yeah. and it's it's such a it's such a, a different way of uh, looking at it, and it, and it gets you ready for, for for moving around because you know I mean you you learn young players, George Cardiff, who who probably didn't leave Cardiff after being released and and, and didn't continue the football careers, but they were very good footballers, but they didn't want to leave that safe environment. Whereas you um, went here, then everywhere, and find yourself now living in a uh, yeah. in a different city. Um, in a different country from where you were, from where you brought up, and it's and that's because you wanted yeah. to fulfil your dream, and that's because you wanted to play football, and it's such a credit to you. Because I've said all along, and I said it on uh, on a show a couple of weeks ago, that there was probably eight players in my youth team out of ten who were better footballers than me. But one thing that I wanted was I wanted to be a footballer more than they wanted to be a footballer, and I tried more than they tried, and I give everything on a daily yeah. basis, and 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 I'd, I would have walked over my mum and dad to be a, be a player. And, you know what I mean? And, and that's just the way I was. I had the right attitude, but and sometimes that attitude overrides ability. Sometimes, um, one oh, thing massively. that I, I want to touch yeah. with you, Joe. One thing I want to touch with you is is a is a is a is an incident what happened to Bristol Rovers. Um, uh, and I want to know I want to know what happened in terms of did you get much stick from it? Obviously, the the incident was a was a, an accident with Kieran Dyer. Um, and obviously, it was a I watched the game. So it was a live game on Sky. Uh, yeah. I think it was a league. I think it was a what was it? Coca Cola Cup, league cup, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. It was probably something like that, wasn't it? Um, and obviously you went and kicked the ball. Obviously Kieran Dyer, I think his leg planted still. Um, I think you might have even won the ball. And, and I, did he break his leg? Is that what is that what happened? Did he break his leg in, the, in an accident? Yeah, it was it was really innocuous. Tibular, didn't he? Yeah, and he broke he broke both his fib and his tib in the in the same thing. And it was really not innocuous, but for I speaking to the fit. I remember speaking to the physios, and they were saying for it, for it to have 
injured him as badly as it did from the contact was was really surprising and that is really unfortunate and yeah. um, I remember the manager came out after the game Alan Kerbishley and said something um, or maybe I said something in the press after the game about it and give me a little bit of stick um, and I was I was a bit young and naive at the time so I didn't really you know know the bigger picture of what was going on I remember walking out the ground and um, there was a journalist there just started walking with me and he was like you know so what um you know what do you think of it do you um do you do you regret what's happened or something like that and I just said well you know um I said something about the the tackle and the incident I said it wasn't really my fault just the way it was unlucky and and stuff and the next day there was a headline in the sun saying Joe dire injuries not my fault and I was like, no, this is not, you know, not what I wanted mm. to come out of this. Um, I remember yeah. I sent him a card. I sent him a card, um, you know, just wishing him well and, and things like that sent to the club. I don't know whether he, he received it or not. And <clears throat> I actually remember I was out I was during one of the Wales squads and um, Jack Collison was obviously at West Ham at the time and, and Bellamy um, was very close to him. And I remember Jack telling me that, they had spoke about it, and I think Jack and, and Bellamy, because I knew him from the well, set up a couple of things. You know, we'd met obviously in, in camps, and and he said, you know, he's a, he's a good guy; he wouldn't do anything like that. And I think that kind of, you know, I don't know whether Kieran Dyer had thought too much, but he did. I I actually read uh, his book, and he does mention it in the book, and and kind of just um, calls me some lower league journeyman or something like that. He said in the book. So um, yeah, it's just one Nasty. of those unfortunate. One of those unfortunate kind of. Um, would you like to speak to him, Joe? Would you Would you like to speak to him face to face, or would you? Did you expect after you sent the card, did you expect him to get in touch and say something like it's no, okay or it was an accident? Or no, I didn't expect a reply. I didn't. You know, I just I did that because I wanted to just you know send my condolences. But um, yeah, I didn't expect anything. And and look, people people get injured from tackles and things all the time, and. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting anything back, but you know, I wouldn't. I don't necessarily need to speak to him or, or come face to face with him. If you want to speak to me, fine, I'll, I'll do it. But you know, for me, I know that at the time there was no malice in it or anything like that. It was just an unfortunate incident, and and unfortunately, these kind of things happen in in football. It's a contact sport, and and players get injured, and mm. and that's kind of it, really. Mm. Well, I'll second that because obviously I know you as a lad. I know you personally. I grew up, um, you know, what I mean, obviously playing in the same side as you. And I watched the game, and I, yeah, I'll advocate, you know, what I mean, fully that it was an accident. It was just one of those things. And you know, what I mean, I've been on the wrong end of of a couple of horror tackles, and sometimes, and sometimes it's, it's the it's the it's the innocuous tackles or the or the softer tackles which cause the most problems because yeah. it's it's just the way that you land or things. And yeah, but uh, a little bit a little bit more positive. So you mentioned uh, a manager there. You mentioned uh, John Coleman. Um, yeah. Obviously, at certain times in your career, John's obviously um, really wanted you. Obviously, the, the obviously the uh, the timing's obviously been right. You've gone there on a, on a couple of loan moves. So how how influential has he been in in in, a, in short bursts of your career? Like I said, the, my first opportunity in in you know playing consistently in the football league was with him in Accrington, and you know it was hard. They were they were having a bit of a relegation. I think it was the first year they were in the football league. Um, they yeah. come back into the football league. So, you know, for them to kind of um, give me an opportunity and, and trust me to kind of, you know, help with their battle, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I think I played seven games in in the, in the two months and found myself out of the team. And I could have stayed there to the end of the season, but I wanted to go and play football and, 
Um, he couldn't really guarantee me that at the time. So, you know, it, fortunately it worked out that I went to Bristol. But when I went back again, he was, you know, amazing to me for kind of, again, like I said, kind of resurrecting my career, as it were. And, um, you know, if we, we had a very good team at Accrington at the time. We managed to get into the playoffs. Unfortunately, I got sent off in, um, in the second leg of the playoffs. And, um, yeah, to end it on that kind of note was, uh, wasn't best. But... Um, for John Coleman to kind of uh, be how he was with me, I've, I can't thank him enough. Yeah, and then and you get you get managers though, Joe, don't you? Who believe in you and bring the best out of you? Uh, and you know what I mean? There's a, a certain people, and especially within football, and uh, and and I think there's always the kind of people that you don't expect, that other people don't expect. And and John Coleman for me, he's got a great reputation. He did a a wonderful job at Accrington, you know, to get them from where they were, um, obviously into the league. He kept them in the league for so many years, and he gave them a it gave them a fantastic opportunity to, to fulfil potential at a football club now and look where they are now, you know, and, and it's all down to him and it was just, uh, it's a credit to the players that he brought in like yourself and, and trusted individuals because it's uh, it's part of the process, isn't it? You know, I mean, the players have to buy into what a manager wants to do. The managers, you know what I mean? The players have to buy into what he's doing and vice versa um, and he just seems like does, a, a, he does stuff differently, guy. that's for sure. The the yeah. way they did stuff there when I first went there, I was like, wow, what is what's going on here? It was completely new to me. The little um, the stuff they do to get the boys together and the camaraderie and things like that, I was like, this is this is you know alien to me. But it works, yeah. and that's that's what the, they does it they do there. And you know, for a team who has a very low budget, they overachieve massively every season. It's down to him and and Jimmy Bell, the assistant, and. You know, they get players playing from. They play very, very good football. Um, they get a lot of, obviously, the players from Everton, Liverpool, who who come over to them and play for them. And you know, they're they're really successful. And uh, yeah. you know, I only give them credit whenever I see them and play against them and things like that. Uh, so, from one manager to another, um, <laughs> we'll go uh, straight away to your current manager now. So, uh, obviously, Sir Gareth Ainsworth done an absolutely <laughs> cracking job. Um, Obviously, a, a, a teammate uh, of mine and yours, uh, obviously going on to play with him um, also. So, how did um, how did you find how did you find him as a manager? Is he is he different to when he was a player? Um, I, to be honest, I was only in the youth. I was in I was like a YT when he was there, um, so I didn't have too much. Um, you know, too much time with him, but I've actually played against him a couple of times. He actually yeah. ripped me up, ripped me up a few times. And is I that remember. when he was at QPR? No, when he was at Wickham. I played I against him when I was I was at Oldham, and I played against him. I wasn't fit, and I couldn't really run. And and the gaffer's quick. He's still yeah, quick he is, now. Yeah. Um, he still beats some of the players in the sprint test and things like that. <laughs> and he's what forty four something. Um, but I remember coming off that game and the manager hammering me saying he's 40 years old he's running past you he's setting up goals and I was just like you know what this is that was probably the end of my olden career actually (laughs) and I I tell him about it I tell tell the gaffer about it but he's like he's he's been unbelievable for me for first of all off the pitch he's just he just wants to be like a like a father figure to everyone he's he's never having a go at you He, he and he he has this way of just kind of wanting you to to never let him down, um, yeah. and it's not like he he bigs you up too much or he praises you too much, but he's just kind of consistent with you. You know, as a player, you you want to know that you know you get your Wednesdays off, you get your Sundays off. You'll never you know come in after a five nil defeat and say right, you're in tomorrow. We're going to run yeah. you. We're going to do this. He's so consistent. 
he looks after you if you need extra days if you've got family issues there's never a problem if you need an extra day recovery you know I don't know how I'm not in the old group at the club but a lot of the older boys don't have to come in on a Monday for the cool downs if they're travelling and things like that he's just he just knows how to get the best out of players and and they've created an amazing culture at Wickham where um, you know everyone's open everyone's honest everyone can talk to each other Um, they've they've created this thing called the generals where there's five or six of us who kind of marshal the the changer room he doesn't need to do anything the players kind of trust that situation so if they've got an issue they can come to one of us who's probably been there and experienced what what they've gone through between the five yeah. of us and it just it just works and then on the pitch he's just kind of simplified my game a lot he's he's you know I'm still playing you know consistently at 33 and and he's probably added years onto my 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 career span really by just simplifying everything telling me not to do too much you know using my attributes to suit me and to get the best out of me and and it's no coincidence that I've played the best couple of my career under him and and i've been the most successful so um mm. you know i can't give him enough credit for for what he's done cracking um i think i've got i think i've got an answer to one of your questions there because you want to know why you're not in the older group because uh, when i had a conversation the other day and i told him that you're coming on the show uh we were on about we were talking about young joe and when i talk about young joe because i talked about <laughs> young joe as in as in when i was i, I, I thought i was a cardiff at the time so Young Joe, yeah. and you just told me you're 33, which makes me it, honestly it just it finishes me off. It finishes me off. When, Sorry, I, when I mention, and I mention, when, when I mentioned the guys, I've got I've got Young Joe coming on the show. 33 year old, Jesus, it just it does it just it ruins you, it ruins you. But no, well, I'm um, lucky we've got a few older boys there, so that's what helps. I know you must be, you must be, you must have loads if you're, if you're not in the old group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, we, we we looked at your hat trick. You mentioned your hat trick, which is obviously a, a, an unbelievable achievement. You know what I mean? That, that yeah, something that you'll cherish forever. You know what I mean? You, you told me you got the match ball, which is great. You know that I was fortunate enough to to get two in my in my career. One was for Cardiff, and and the the, the things that nobody can take away from you, uh, they're unbelievable experiences. Um, but then what comes with uh, unbelievable experiences is something that you achieved um, obviously not so long ago, uh, and that was uh, playing at Wembley, playing in the playoff final. Um, and scoring the winning goal. So, first of all, um, the semi-final against Fleetwood was uh, obviously on paper was a was a was a was a tricky one. Uh, Joey Barton's got his team playing some decent football. He's brought in some good good footballers. Uh, but I watched both games and I thought you dominated both games really comfortably and, and you scored some very good goals over the two over the course of two games. Yeah, I think I don't think anyone gave us a chance. I think there was a lot of uproar in the league with with the points per game because that kind of pushed us. You know, up the table a couple of places, but we, the only reason why we were in that situation was because we were supposed to play Bury the week before, didn't play a game, went down a couple of places, um, and, and that was the first game all season we weren't in the top six. I think we spent more time in the top two than anyone else, more time in the top six than anyone else. So we definitely deserved to, to be there, and I think people were were desperate for us to kind of fail at that that hurdle. And we went to to Fleetwood, and we spoke about a few of the games at the start of lockdown where. The tempo of the game was quite slow. There was players were a little bit lethargic. It, there was no kind of atmosphere created by the team. So we just wanted to go there and hit them hard. And I think we just blew them away for the first 20, 25 minutes. And they couldn't deal with it. We ended up being two or three goals up. We they were down to ten men. I think we could have scored more goals. And I think we just we hit them so hard that they they were they're a bit shook. And when they came back to our place, I think we had a you know we had a comfortable lead. But that was probably. The day before that game was probably the most nervous I've been in my whole career before a game. I think because we had something to lose, even though we were forward up in the semi-final, you know, no one. 
and kind of would expect anything else. But I think because we had something to lose, and if we did lose, it would have been a catastrophe. That yeah. the nerves were there, but you know we we rode a storm. They they played. That was probably the best footballing team we played all season that day. Um, yeah. But we came through it with a draw, um, and I thought we thoroughly deserved to to get to the final. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, but like you said, nobody gave you a chance in the in the, in the semi final. Um, you get to the final, you think you deserve a little bit more respect. You get you play Oxford United straight away. Oxford the favourites, which I don't know. I, I, I don't know how all that works. You know, I mean, you're going into a game at Wembley in front of no fans. It's it's for me. It's yeah. so even. It, it, for me, you can't you can't call things like that. But obviously, the uh, the experts uh, went with Oxford. Um, so tell us about that game because uh, obviously you spoke about the the atmosphere. Obviously, with no fans being there. But tell us about the game because obviously you got to do a great start, got pegged back, and then obviously the the second half you took over. Yeah, and look, we played against Oxford earlier on the season, and um, they were very good again and, and beat us. We had a player sent off after half an hour or something, and, and they kind of dominated. But after five minutes in the final, I turned around to someone and I said, "We've got these. We, we've got them." Just because I think we were, we were. You could tell by body language and by just our attitude. I think we were just on top of them, and they seemed a little bit subdued they weren't really pressing us they weren't really you know playing with any sort of tempo and I just thought that that suited us massively and you know we're very good at we can sit in and defend leads and um, we've got I said it after the game we've got strikers who are you know the trickiest Fred Onyedima who's you know very quick and, and tricky and can score goals yet he's happy to do 60 yard runs back to, to help me out and double up on wingers and things like that so you know we're, we're happy to, to defend as a team and I thought you know, they they did score a lucky goal after the first goal, but I thought we were comfortable. They they probably had you know more possession, but that's normal for us. And when we we've always got an opportunity on the counter attack and on the break, and fortunately we got a penalty and, and we scored. And, and I think after the goal, I was expecting them to come at us with a lot more, but I thought I still think the last fifteen was comfortable. I've watched it back quite a few times, and, and never there was never really any opportunities where we let them have any any decent sights at goal and. Yeah, it was. Um, it was all after the game. The first thing you want to do is like see your family. I've I've been at Wembley yeah. before and lost, and and went to see my family. Obviously, they were consoling me. But this is the one time I wanted to go and kind of grab them and celebrate with them. But they were they were they were in no fit state to to be doing anything the way they were in that night as well, which was which was nice. Um, and then yeah, it was just it was it probably allowed us as well. We were all FaceTiming on the pitch. We were able to stay on the pitch for longer and. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those special moments. You you'd have known about it when you go inside the changing room where where you're away from everyone. It's just you boys who have done it. It's uh, it's some feeling, something yeah. that it's like a drug. You're, you're desperate to have more of those times. Yeah, and I, and I think you just mentioned it there. You know, what I mean, I think it's so important to celebrate um, in the right way. You know, what I mean, you weren't able to celebrate with the fans, so you've got to do it in in, in a different environment. So you you do it on FaceTime with your own family, and you do it with the players uh, behind closed doors, and it's such a it's it gives you a, a different feeling. a different feeling though as well, isn't it? Like you like you just mentioned, you weren't normally you wouldn't be able to do those things on the pitch. So you whilst yeah. you lose the that kind of interaction with your family and friends at you know on the Wembley pitch, you do get like a completely different experience. You still get the the adrenaline and like you say, like the the atmosphere after with your teammates and stuff and the staff, but you also get like a unique experience of doing FaceTimes on the pitch and, and being able to stay on the pitch. So I suppose there is like a a positive to not being able to celebrate with your friends and family straight after the game. Yeah, the security yeah. 
the security kind of kicked us out in the end at Wembley because we were there for, we were just there, just, I don't know what we were doing, we were just hanging around there for it, because we didn't have like a party to go to or anything arranged, we just kind of, yeah. we were just there, I think some of the boys didn't even change, we, we left about 11 o'clock at night and some of the boys still hadn't had a shower after the game, still in their full kit, Holy. just kind of got on the coach and, and went back to, um, yeah, we went back to the training ground, we ended up... Um, Going to a um, a pub in Wickham in Marlow, which they they kind of one of the the owner of it was a bit of a fan, so let's in there and went back to the stadium where we just it was just the boys and and the staff kind of just drinking and you know talking about the game for for a few hours and it was yeah it was it was pretty cool one of those nights where yeah you couldn't plan you could never plan something like that and and it come mm. off any better. Yeah. No, I totally agree, totally agree. Um, last question from me. So you mentioned FaceTime, you mentioned uh, a little bit of social media. So obviously a, a very famous uh, player in your team is obviously the Beast and he loves a um, he loves a little bit of FaceTime, he loves a little bit of social media. But but there's more to him than that. I think he, sometimes he gets a little bit bad press about uh, about how he, how talented he is as a footballer as well, you know, that uh, probably would be something of a, of a dream partner of, of, for a player of, 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 of my ability, obviously, with a bit of pace. But uh, what's he like to play with and what's he like as a lad? First of all, to play with, he, he's, again, probably added years onto my career. You know, having him in the team, all I've got to do is kind of, you know, ping the ball up field and, and if it's near him, he's bringing it down. His touch is unbelievable. Like, yeah. not just with his head or with his chest, but his feet. He's got great, I know it's the, the same great feet for a big man, but technically he's very, very good. We do finishing drills and his volleys, left foot, right foot. He's very, very good. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. And he's a big reason why we're in League One in the first place. The, the couple of years before that, he's finished, I think he's been there four years. He's finished top goal scorer every season. Um, wow. He's he's incredible. And, and off the pitch, he's a really, really humble guy. And, and he, he's, you know, massively, massively uh, team-orientated team if I can spit it out, um, <laughs> you know, he, he wants to do well for the team. He's, he may not be out on the training pitch every day, but he's in the gym battering himself, you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and doing his own fitness work and just little things like <clears throat> my own experience with him is uh, I remember last summer watching the cricket, a bit of a cricket fan watching the ashes and, and um, he was at an event with Joffre Archer and, um, you know, the next day he came in and I was like, oh, you, you were my hero, like, after what he's done this mm. summer and things like that. And Bear was like, to be honest, I didn't know who he was beforehand. You know, I'm not in just cricket. <laughs> next thing you know, about a month later, I get a, a WhatsApp video of him being like, JK, look, I told you I'd sort you out, I told you. And he's him and Joffre Archer and Joffre Archer's sending me a nice little message and just little things Amazing. like that that he doesn't have to do. But no. it's you know he's he got there and he's thinking about me when he's doing it and and things yeah. like that. So he's been um, yeah he's been awesome and and a massive part of, of yeah really really nice guy and and mm. you know whenever he sees the, my my dad's at games and my mum he's always coming over and saying hello to everyone and and entertaining it and look he's he's a commodity in in the football league. He's probably the most famous player outside the Premier League. He's you know, social media following, he's got millions and, and he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a, different, he's one of my dream kind of guests. Fish to anyone else. He's on my top five list. Hey, I'm sure he is, yeah. I'd like to, like to sure have on the show. He's right up there with Roy Keane and uh, Joey Barton <laughs> and a couple of other, like he's just, uh, he's a legend. Like, Get um, them all and have a, okay, like a Royal Rumble or something. Yeah, oh, just have like, like a four or five person show. Roy yeah. Keane, Joey Barton, um, and, uh, Akin Fenwa 
and a few others. Incredible stuff. Um, Joe, just before we finish off with the questions from the live chat, um, and if Andy's got anything else he wants to go, I just wanted to ask you a couple of things about your time at Cardiff. Obviously, you were a Cardiff boy. Um, you came through the, the system. Um, did you feel extra pressure because it was because you'd come through the system and obviously the fans want that home homegrown player? Um, I didn't feel extra pressure. It was always always my dream to play play for Cardiff to make it into the first team. And I don't think you realise, looking back now, I've I've played five hundred odd games. You don't realise how hard it is to make that first appearance, that one appearance. Mm. And you know, you you see players. I was you know I'm fortunate to come up with Joe Ledley in the same age group. So I was never. There, there was never any pressure on me to kind of make it. I was never the star player in my age group. I was probably, you know, just in the middle of the road, like like Cam's was saying earlier. But I just kind of wanted it, and I was made sure I trained right and did things right. And it was only probably my, you know, you do your three year YTS. It was only probably my third year where um, I started. You know, I was never in the Wales setup as a kid, where all the other players were. And it was only, like I said, when I was about eighteen, where I started kind of progressing and doing well, playing reserve team games and. Um, it, yeah, I was desperate, and unfortunately, I managed to make my debut at home to Norwich uh, towards the end of that season. There. And yeah, it was, um, and that, honestly, that was like, that was it for me. I, I thought, you know, I'm, I've done it. I've, I've kind of landed, and, and that was, you know, still to me, that is the best, best moment of my career is, is making my debut there and having my family there and things like that. And I, I, I yeah, I kind of wish that, looking back, I don't have any regrets, but I kind of wish I'd, I'd stayed. Um, and kind of forced my way through. I think I would have had more opportunities, you know. I, but like I said, I went on loan, and I was so desperate to kind of just play week in, week out. I, I got a good offer from Bristol. I was only been down one division, and you never think that that was kind of going to be the the last time I played in a championship for ten, twelve years. But it kind of yeah. worked out that way, and and yeah, that's just what it is. But yeah, I just it was like I said, it was awesome, awesome playing at Ninian Park and. Um, yeah, from my from my hometown club, I'm sure lots of people would want to play for bigger teams and have aspirations for that. But for me, it was just trying to get on the pitch for Cardiff, and and I've got my shirt up on the wall at home at my parents' house, and and that's something that no one can take away from me. Totally if, agree. Um, totally agree. Massive achievement, if, though, Joe. Massive achievement. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. If um, yeah, if the that... opportunity were to arise, Joe, uh, before you retire hopefully not for a good few years, would you like to, you know, have another stint at the Mighty Bluebirds? Uh, yeah, of course. Why not? Um, like I said, it's a, it's a team where, not that I said I had unfinished business, but something where I wish I kind of stayed and had a, a longer spell. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure my parents would love me to, to move back to Cardiff and, and have me yeah, close by. Yeah. Not sure my Misters would be too happy about moving back down there. But... <laughs> Cardiff is a beautiful city. It's a beautiful no, she's place. from Cardiff as well. Yeah, she's from she? Cardiff, and that even more so if she wants to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like but, it. Um, yeah, it came obviously. I'd, I'd, I'd love to happen, but look, I'm, I'm not. I know you're holding up for anything like that, and and I love, yeah, I love love where I am at the minute. I'm at a place where. I'm I'm looked after. I, I get on well with all the players, with the staff. They, they trust me. The fans are great with me. So, you know, if if it was down to me, I'd, I'd happily finish my career at Wickham for sure. 
Hundred percent. Uh, Andy, have you got anything else you want to cover, mate? Before I finish off with no, the, no, the live no, chat? no. I, I think we've got the live chat. He's 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 been an amazing guest with some, uh, some great, honest, some great, honest, honest answers and some amazing stories. Indeed. Um, okay, so let's. Well, I'm going to fly through some of these because uh, there's lots of them. Uh, Donna Perry says, uh, which teams do you think will be Wickham's rivals for the Championship glory this year, and uh, do you think Cardiff are looking strong? Yeah, I think that, I think they surprised me, Cardiff, how well they did last season. Um, I didn't expect them to be challenging so high. Neil Harris obviously done a a, a very good job, um, and I think if they can add, they've obviously had Kiefer Moore, which I think is, is something they need. I think if they can get someone to score fifteen goals at front for them, I think they'll they'll be right up there again. I think they're solid. Don't think they they can see too many. They've got a little bit of magic if they can keep Tomlin fit. Um, for the season, I think he's a huge player for them. Can be the best player in the championship when he when he wants yeah. to be. And I think they'll be up there. I think you know the teams obviously coming down with it's it's not as easy. I don't think coming down from the Premier League teams like Norwich who have gone from losing every week, they all of a sudden turn that around and, and kind of you know create a win, winning mentality is not easy. Um, I think Bournemouth would be strong. Brentford again, but it depends on you know if a lot of these teams can keep hold of their best players as well let's talk of a couple of Brentford players getting moves and how will that affect them so I think your usual um, you know um, Fulham obviously gone up uh, Brentford will be up there um, and I'm not sure I think I think the championship's quite even this season I think there's probably 10-15 teams who all think they can compete compete that end but I think Cardiff yeah. they probably may not have an opportunity better to kind of go up again yeah totally agree, totally what, agree. About, um, what about like Wickham your aims as a team and you know is it, is it just to stay up is it top 10 what sort of aims are you looking at do you think we we haven't really discussed you know specifics about what we want to do obviously first and foremost we want to stay in the league and we haven't said you know we want to finish fourth bottom or anything like that because i mm. think if you fail at that then you're relegated you know mm. if you yeah. aim to finish top then you can finish second third you know obviously it's, it's going to be really difficult. We're going to have the smallest budget in the league, probably the smallest stadium in the league. You know, no one's going to give us a, a chance at, at doing anything this season. So we just want to go there, make a noise, kind of compete. We, we, we've got an unbelievable team spirit that has carried us the last few years to, to where we are. So if we can carry that momentum through that we've got from last season, then, you know, we want to, we want to try and compete and win as many games as, of football as we can. Yeah, 100%, mate. I... Um... So a few of the other questions we've already covered, like um, someone asked about what uh, what's Akin Femme like to have in the squad. Obviously, we covered that. Uh, Richie asks, uh, who was your icon growing up uh, and who have you looked up to during your career? Do you know, growing up, my icon was Leggy. Um, just from watching Cardiff, I loved his like energy and his attitude and, and all things like that. And that honestly, my, my goal when I was growing up was to be like Andy Legg. Um, I tried to get a long throw like him. Um, and his left peg. I was, and I was so foot. I was, I felt a bit like um, starstruck when I played. He, I don't know if you played in it, Cam's, where he had that benefit match at Cardiff. Yeah, I did um, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you didn't tell us about the way we had him on the show last week. I, yeah, I would have we been able to keep us first. <laughs> <laughs> so he was hit. Yeah, and I played in that. I, I came on in that game. I remember, and I was like, I'm playing in Leggy's like benefit match here, and. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. But um, I say he was he was growing up. When I was a young kid, I think it was it was Ryan Giggs, just because 
I wanted to be a winger, left-footed, and yeah. obviously the the stardom that he had um, when he was younger and things like that. And no better role model. Didn't have a, space. No better, no better role model when you're a young Welsh player. You know, yeah, of course. Doesn't, of doesn't, course. Get any yeah. doesn't get any better than that. Of course, yeah. Let's see him. Um, okay, so um, we got a, a regular viewer called Peaches Tan, uh, who's from Scandinavia somewhere, I think. Um, but she uh, she haven't been here for a while, and uh, no. she used to send Andy uh, word associations where yeah. you, you just name a player or a place or something, and you've got to just say the first thing which comes to mind. And um, she's back today. She says, "Hey guys, I've missed you. I've got a word association for uh, Andy and Joe. So uh, we'll go with we'll go with Andy's first, then we'll finish with Joe's. So uh, Andy first. Uh, Paul Pogba." Oh, World Cup winner. Kasper Schmeichel. Oh, uh, not as good as his dad. <laughs> uh, Neil Warnock. Um, current Middlesbrough saviour. <laughs> and uh, finally, she says, Ake. Okay. £40. Pound. 40 quid. <laughs> good answer. 40 quid. And uh, here we go then. Joe, word association. Uh, Craig Bellamy. Oh, uh, intense. I'll go with like you. Lenny Lawrence. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Burns. Mr. Burns. I was just about to say the same thing myself. <laughs> uh, Ryan Giggs. Hero. Uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Ooh. Um, on eggshells. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, okay, uh, Joe, I appreciate you staying an extra like twenty odd minutes. To yeah, me too. I appreciate your extra Always. time, mate. But uh, it's been a very, very enjoyable show. Um, thank you, obviously, to everyone who's tuned in, dropped comments, watched, liked, even the person who left an angry face. Thank you very much. <laughs> Didn't explain why, so I still have no idea. It's bizarre, but there, uh, mm. I appreciate. We appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in getting involved spread the word tell people live every monday 7 30 the andy campbell football show and of course the andy campbell championship show will be back a week friday but uh, we have another special show coming up on friday at seven o'clock andy did you want to yeah we've got now? um we've got uh, rob jones ex um hibernian center half um he currently works for middles of football club he's desperate to be a uh, a manager, so he's going to come and tell us all about his journey and all about his uh, his, his hopes in the future of uh, of becoming everything and more he wants to be. He's hot man, looking forward to that, mate. So uh, be enjoying those Friday shows as well, doing like something different. Obviously, last week we had um, Rebecca Bass, the current ladies Middlesbrough captain, which was uh, talking women's football, which was very enjoyable. Uh, we've had referee on there as well, so we have lots of different shows. And the championship show will be back a week Friday to preview the championship season. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. A big thank you to Black Diamond Sports, of course, uh, and also Bespoke Financial, who sponsored the show. Uh, if you get time, you can check out all the other shows on Ace Podcast Nation, including uh, Crazy Football with Super Kevin McNaughton, which episode one dropped yesterday, finally. And um, I'll also be speaking to Phil Brown of TalkSport and Beyond the Pitch this week. Uh, so if you've got any questions for him, you send them in. But in the meantime, I thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure, mate, as always. And uh, Joe Jacobson, playoff hero, Cardiff-born, Cardiff-bred. 
legend. Thank you, my friend, for joining us. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Joe. Lovely show. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good luck this season. uh, Cheers. Indeed. Indeed, it's after against Cardiff. (laughs) <laughs> just to clarify you can beat Middlesbrough 5-0 for all that. that's just that's just funny to me because Andy will be like crying on the Monday night but, uh, as, lo- but, as long uh, as Joe's got that trick it might, it might, it might dilute soft, it a little bit softens the blow yeah. Yeah. there you that's go yeah. there, there you go. go there you go cheers guys and uh, cheers to everyone else see you soon my mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance it sounds like something to protect my brother and me but I don't really understand Then my Auntie Louise told Mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if Mummy or Daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.